The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Is it worth dying for? That was really the question. Is it worth risking everything you have and everything you're ever going to have? Because he was risking it all. He had spent years getting the education that was required. He spent many more years gaining experience and reputation. He had scrambled, he had hustled, he had worked hard, and finally, he made it all the way to the top. He was part of the little group of men that ran the entire country. He was the upper circles of power. His name was Nicodemus. And this leader, this teacher of Israel, he was risking everything. How many times do you think he questioned himself as he was walking across the city in the dark of night? He was alone, under the cover of darkness, looking for the young man who had made such a big splash in the capital city. Nicodemus wanted to, to meet with him to see if he was for real. But this visit meant risking everything. Because the other men in that little upper circles of power that ruled the whole nation, they wanted nothing to do with that young man from Nazareth, especially after what had happened in the temple. Right? This guy... He comes into the temple, and in the courtyard of the Gentiles, he takes some cords and he makes a whip, and he starts whipping people and animals, driving the money changers out, driving out all the animals that they had there for sacrifice. And if that wasn't bad enough, he, he was referring to the temple. He would say things like, this is my father's house, with everything that that implies, right? This is my father's house, and maybe even worse, he was also implying that this small circle of men, they had turned his father's house from a place of prayer into a marketplace. Yeah, no, they didn't want anything to do with that young man from Nazareth. They wanted him to shut up. They wanted to hustle his way out of town and get him back to the backwater area of Galilee that he came from. So here was Nicodemus, though, who felt differently. This young man, he would say the most powerful things. When you, when you listen to him, it's like you couldn't, you couldn't stop. And when he spoke, it, it seemed like your soul was stirred. Well, and then there were the miracles. I mean, even his adversaries, his enemies, couldn't deny the miracles that he did. But what really set this man apart was his doctrine, his teaching what he said about life with God and life in the kingdom. And so that's what Nicodemus was up to. Here he was in the middle of the night, hoping no one would see him. He wanted to go find out if this man and his teaching was for real, hoping that the darkness would keep anyone from recognizing that one of the teachers, the rulers of Israel, was looking to meet with Jesus of Nazareth. What am I doing? I wonder how many times he asked himself that question risking it all, everything that I have, everything that I'm ever going to have, it's on the line 
Because this man had enemies, powerful enemies, enemies who wouldn't blink an eye at the thought of killing somebody. These are the kind of men who knew you had to break a few eggs to make an omelet. And Nicodemus could well be one of those eggs. Jesus' teachings were stirring, but is it worth dying for? You know, there were days throughout the history of Christianity when people stood up and were willing to die for doctrine, willing to die for a teaching of God's word, right? Really willing to risk their life, their livelihood, their families, risk it all. We live in an age today that maybe that seems very out of touch. I mean, imagine dying for a doctrine. We live in an age that tries to minimize the differences between denominations an age that tries to tell us to focus on uh, some real fundamental issues and coalesce around them. Could you imagine someone being willing to die for a doctrine of Scripture like, I don't know, like the Trinity, that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, but there aren't three gods, there's just one God? There have been a lot of days throughout the history of the church where people have been willing to die for doctrine. On Sunday mornings in our Bible study, we've been going through the Nicene Creed, which we're actually going to confess together after this sermon. The Nicene Creed was written because people were willing to die for the doctrine of the Trinity. How about that? A young man from Alexandria named Athanasius, he stood up for the truth of Scripture, even though it meant he was facing exile and a lifetime of persecution. He said some doctrines are worth dying for. But you know... uh, The southwest side of Atlanta feels kind of distant from Nicaea. And you and I, maybe we feel ourselves a bit different than Athanasius. Maybe you and I, maybe we're more like this guy, Nicodemus. We're willing to risk something for Jesus, but we kind of want to see how it works out before we would fully commit to it, right? That's why Nicodemus was going at night. If he went during the daylight, anybody could see him. See this ruler, this teacher of Israel. Oh, you're going to go hang out with the guy from Nazareth and his fishermen friends. No. Nicodemus was willing to poke around the edges, but he didn't want to fully commit to Jesus. Certainly not yet. I think that can be a huge temptation for Christians today. To visit Jesus at night. What does that mean for us? Well... Visiting Jesus at night means seeing if Jesus is going to work out for us and associating ourselves with him when it's convenient, but not when it's not. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe visiting Jesus at night for you means you're perfectly fine to be a Christian here on Sunday morning, but boy, when you get to your workplace, (laughs) I don't want to stick out. I don't want to be labeled so I can just kind of tuck my faith back into my coat pocket for the rest of the work week, and then we can praise Jesus again on Sunday. It's visiting Jesus at night. Maybe for you, visiting Jesus at night is, uh, you know, just going ahead and going along with society's views on something like sexuality because you don't want to be thought backward. You're willing to associate with Jesus, but not that much. It's visiting Jesus at night. Or maybe visiting Jesus at night for you is, you know, treating your marriage or your relationship like the rest of this world with their hookup, shack up, break up mentality. We're willing to associate with Jesus, but just when it's convenient for us. 
Nicodemus wanted to only visit Jesus at night. But the thing is, what he found was Jesus. Right? Jesus sits down, he takes this teacher of Israel, and Jesus teaches him. And you wonder how that's going to go. But boy, those verses that Vicar read from the gospel, he covered a huge amount of stuff there, right? He was talking about life in the kingdom, about baptism, about God's love, about God's plan of salvation, about belief, unbelief, the coming judgment, you name it, right? Jesus taught him the message. And what did Nicodemus do? Did he say, yes, I believe? No. No, he did not. What Nicodemus said was, uh, how can these things be? He's a little bit more like you and me. That when we come across something in God's message that we don't understand or we don't want to hear, instead of receiving it in faith, we say, ah, convince me. I'm not sure that I buy that. That's the other temptation we can see in this person of Nicodemus. You know, our first temptation is to be like him and want to visit Jesus just at night. Maybe the second temptation for us is to be like Nicodemus and look at the things God says to us in his word, whether there's something I don't understand or something I don't really want to be true, and be like Nicodemus and say, how can this be? You know what, I'm just, I just don't believe that part of the Bible, not this part. Right? That's not true to me. Have you ever thought of, if we believe that there is a God who created heaven and earth, created life, and he sent his son to die on the cross to take away our sins so that we could be with him forever in heaven, and then he gives to us a message, scriptures from him where he says, here, you want to know what I'm thinking? This is what I'm thinking. Can you imagine if we believe that and then have the hubris to say, well, there are parts of it I just don't believe because I don't. I don't agree with them. I mean, this is like a four-year-old telling you math isn't real because they don't understand division, right? Doesn't matter whether or not you understand it, whether or not it's true, right? If it's true, it doesn't matter if we understand it or not. We can be so much like Nicodemus, people that are want to manage our association with Jesus, people who want to sit as judge and jury over God's word, That's why the central thing that Jesus had to teach Nicodemus was what God does with sinful people. All right? And here's what God does with sinful people. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, if you want to talk about a doctrine that doesn't make any sense, that one. God didn't send his son to condemn them. He should be condemning me for the life I live and the life I failed to live. He should be condemning me. If you look in the mirror with even one ounce of honesty, wouldn't you say the same thing? God should condemn you because we're broken people. But then hear this glorious truth that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn you, but to save you. God loved the world in this way. He sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. That is a doctrine worth dying for. But here's an amazing thing. God doesn't require you to die for that doctrine. Nope. 
Not at all. He did, however, require his son to die for that doctrine. God saves sinners. Jesus looked at that doctrine, that teaching, and he said, that is, that is worth dying for. And that's what he did. So that God can give you nothing but grace and mercy and love. That's why it's called good news. You know, when that kind of news, well, that can change us. It can even change somebody like Nicodemus. You know, this is not the end of the story of Nicodemus. We see him again many months later. And you know what? The gospel had done its work. That seed of faith that had been planted in his heart, it grew. And this man, who at this point was only willing to be able to come see Jesus during the night, it changed him. He was even willing to go and be counted with Jesus during the daylight. When we hear about him again, he went to see Jesus. It was during the day. It was on Good Friday. And Nicodemus was ready to meet with Jesus and be seen with Jesus, even with the dead Jesus. We see Nicodemus next. He's with a man named Joseph. And they go to the governor, Pontius Pilate, and ask if they can have Jesus' body so that they can give him a burial fit for their teacher and their Savior. Nicodemus, through faith, was willing to stand with Jesus at the cross. And then, three days later, he got to stand with him in joy at an empty tomb when the Son of God rose from the dead. That is a doctrine worth dying for, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Also that now you and I and Nicodemus, we can revel in the fact that we don't have a God who sent someone to condemn the world, but to save the world. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. God grant it. Amen.